you've come to the right place if you're looking to create, launch, and scale a high-value online training program. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of Lifter LMS, the most powerful learning management system for WordPress. Stay to the end. I've got something special for you. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. My name is Chris Badgett. I'm joined by a special guest. His name is John Phillips. He's from Holy Grail WP. That's holygrailwp.com. We're going to get into John's story as a course creator, as a WordPress professional, but uh, particularly around uh, some expertise in WordPress speed, which is somewhat mysterious. I myself have am always been like a little confused with like what the options are, what are, what are the what what to do, what to prioritize, how to really kind of tackle that animal. But before we get into that, John, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Chris. This is this is cool. I've followed you for quite a while now, and so it's neat to get to be on the other side of a camera from you to get to hang out. That's awesome. Well, you know, WordPress is a community and like this whole course creator entrepreneur thing is a community. And, um, you know, when you popped up on the radar, I was like, I love seeing somebody who's both an expert and a WordPress professional kind of helping with WordPress problems. It's and uh, your, your site looks amazing. Um, so go check out holygrailwp.com. I'll remind you at the end of the episode. Um, that John does have a coupon code for his course about how to speed up your WordPress website. So go check that out and uh, you can do it. You can do it. But if you could just, uh, before we get into some speed tips, kind of tell us about the course. What is it and what's the discount you have for the Lifter LMS community? Yeah. So the course is called the Holy Grail WordPress site speed course. And um, it is all about making your site load faster and deliver a better user experience for your visitors. And in the process of just knocking out some best, uh, best practices when it comes to performance, you, you end up satisfying Core Web Vitals as well. And so um, if your website's getting enough traffic that you can have enough field data to uh, get your you know, 28 days worth of data to say, hey, we've you know, either passed or failed, uh, core web vitals for this period, then, you know, following the tips and tricks uh, are going to help you get there. So uh, the course uh, is available for a discount for anyone listening. The code is lifter. It's a 20% off uh, code. So if you enter that at checkout, then you can get a discount, try it out 30 day uh, refund period. So try it out. If your site is not faster after implementing some stuff, let me know. And if you're not happy, of course, you know, get your refund, but uh, nobody's asked for their money back yet. Uh, people seem pretty satisfied with the results they're getting. Um, but there's also a mini course I'll just mention too, uh, right on the course courses homepage, you can opt in for a free mini course. As soon as you plug in your name and email, you'll actually be automatically registered as a student logged in and you can dive right into the content. It's a pretty slick onboarding process. Uh, if I do say so myself, uh, I'm really, I'm happy about how that works out. And what's the focus of the mini course? Yeah, so the mini course covers some of the some of the things that you can do on your site for free. So no investment uh, on your end at all uh, to help get your site going uh, a bit faster for you. And that involves things like uh, switching your domains, uh, DNS name servers uh, over to Cloudflare so that you can not only benefit from some of the performance and 
um, speed benefits that you get there, but just managing all your DNS records from uh, Cloudflare, it just makes things a lot faster, even when you're uh, maybe adding records to search console, or you've got to add a new text record to something and you need a quick verification. Uh, Cloudflare's propagation is virtually instant. It, it happens so quickly and um, you get your lower time to first byte, that TTFB. So the very first bit of information uh, that can be downloaded from your site, um, that time to first byte being really low just means that as soon as that's done, everything else on your site can start loading even quicker. So if you've got a quick time to first byte, um, great place to uh, start optimizing your performance. And that's, you know, you can snag that with the free Cloudflare account. And that's in the free mini course, along with some other intros on things like uh, preloading critical assets, whether those are images, fonts. Um, let's see what else is in there. Uh, JavaScript delays, which have become uh, a more popular technique in uh, recent, the last year or so. Um, there's several things. It's called a mini course, but really there's there's a lot in there. Don't let it overwhelm you, but there's a lot of stuff in there you can try out for free. So take it for a spin. That's awesome. So that's it, holygrailwp.com. Let's let's kind of frame in the speed issue. Uh, I th WordPress kind of has a reputation that it's slow. Um, you know, dynamic sites that are more than just like a static brochure site, you know, tend to, like an LMS or e-commerce site, they tend to need more resources. The market often, like me as just as a WordPress user, I just kind of want to install a cache plug, a caching plugin, and activate it, and just instantly my site is fast. But it's it's way more complicated than that. Can, how do you kind of get somebody started thinking about speed, why it's important, and what do we focus on first? So to start thinking about speed, I, I think about just my own experience with other you know, people's other companies' websites. Uh, what do I expect my experience to be like when I visit, you know, what I believe to be a reputable brand's website? You know, I, I want it to load quickly. You know, um, there, there are stats out there. Um, and this is this number is potentially even lower now, but um, I believe some numbers Google put out a few years ago said that if your site took longer than three seconds to load, there was a, you know, 100 something percent. It was like more than 100% chance basically a guarantee that if your site takes longer than three seconds to, you know, load, pop in on the page and not necessarily everything load on the page, but everything become, you know, interactive, you're able to scroll and do things. Um, if it takes longer than three seconds, then people might just be leaving and you may do the same. I know I do, you know, I'm, I'm usually not going to wait around forever. Maybe if I know I'm on a mobile connection, that's not so strong, I'll wait longer, but uh, generally if the site's not snappy, then I'm going to leave. And so I just think about um, if you want to deliver a good user experience, um, because you want people to actually stick around to see what's on your site and have any chance of actually consuming your content, opting in for uh, your lead magnet. Uh, you need the site to, uh, in a sense, be out of the way so that users can actually engage with it. And so uh, for that to happen, it needs to be uh, performant. And so uh, good places to start thinking about it are, uh, you know, you want to make sure you've invested in some quality hosting um, you know, if, what do you like and, there? What do you, what do you like there? Like if you were listing off or advising a client or doing it for yourself, what, what are some, some names or t t styles of accounts that you like? Yeah. Okay. And so this has changed within the last year or so, because I've gotten, uh, heavily involved in a grid pain community. So I'm now self-hosting everything, uh, myself rather than going through a managed host, which I've you know, also still do recommend um, it can be one of your more expensive options, 
Um, but as uh, Patrick Gallagher uh, says at Great Pain, you, you do end up, and this is not, this is not a knock on anybody, but uh, you end up paying uh, effectively what's called uh, like an ignorance tax. Like when you don't know, you know how to do some of the technical things, um, you know, your prices that you pay for your hosting are going to be a bit higher because you're effectively paying, you know, if, you're, if you have a managed host uh, per se, you're going to be paying a bit more. And that's largely for the support that you're going to be um, getting to help you do all the things that you might not either want to touch or know how to configure. And so uh, I kind of got tired of, of paying the ignorance tax myself for a while and thought that I'd get my costs under control for myself and my clients by learning a little bit more uh, server uh, technical stuff. And I'm still learning a ton. This is, this, a lot of this is still really new for me, but, um, grid pain, self-managed hosting, um, is the route that I go. But for those using, you know, a managed host, Kinsta is one of the most expensive, but is uh, also one of the most uh, performant in terms of hardware. Um, and, uh, gosh, I mean, if you want to use a, a shared host SiteGround, I've had plenty of sites on SiteGround. Um, also a great place to start. Um, but I've, I've just come to, to learn that there are going to be restrictions or limitations within just about any platform that you use when it comes to hosting. But if I had to leave it there, I would say check out any of those options uh, in that order. Like if you want the most control and potentially the lowest cost, start on something like GridPane. Otherwise, pick some top tier managed host like Kinsta. And then if you have to go shared, then uh, maybe something like SiteGround. All right. That's awesome. Well, I interrupted your flow, but people often ask about hosting and I always like to see what, what people are using. And we did interview Patrick Gallagher, the founder of GridPane on this episode. So if you'd like to learn more about that, just Google LMS cast GridPane Patrick and you'll find it. Uh, what else besides getting on, on some solid hosting? How do, we, how do we start attacking speed? Yeah, so a lot of times... Uh, if you're unaware of the needed um, image sizes, you know, dimensions, uh, and the baseline level of image quality that you need, uh, you can end up loading uh, or uploading unnecessarily large images to your website. And so reining in your, your images uh, can be a really big help. And you can do that either, well, both by uh, uploading images at the size that they're at the maximum size they're going to be required uh, on your site say when viewed on desktop or when viewed on mobile, what's the biggest size I'm going to need here? Because some themes uh, allow you to upload the, hey, this I want this version of the image for desktop, but on mobile, load this version. So if you know the max dimensions of the image you're going to serve for either, then you can upload those. But then if you're not familiar, um, WordPress is also going to generate something like nine other versions of your image that you upload so that there are other dimensions uh, available for use on things like uh, WooCommerce uh, product thumbnail or uh, the medium version, the large version, the small version of an image. So a lot of sizes get generated, but um, if your site doesn't, uh, if your theme doesn't properly use uh, responsive images, uh, source set responsive images, uh, then you could end up with images too large for their, uh, the containers that they're in. So if an image can only actually be rendered at 500 pixels, but the image that is in there is a thousand pixels wide, uh, then you could have an image a little bit too big on your hands. So um, just uploading a good size is a great place to start. But then of course, uh, any kind of plugin that's gonna offer you some compression on those images. And then even better, if you can have a, a plugin that's got a CDN option, a content delivery network option, 
uh, that's going to be really helpful because a lot of them these days that are offering uh, CDN allow them to resize your images on the fly. So even if you have uploaded an image that is too big for its container, then the CDN can detect the size of the div that uh, is holding that image and actually try to serve up the image that is available that is the closest match to that size. So you get a little bit better sizing. The image could also be served in a smaller image format. So WebP is a small image format that um, is, um, let's see, it's, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it is supported. It's supported in most modern browsers, browsers uh, these days. There are other smaller formats, but they're not quite as widely supported yet. So serving images in WebP when the browser uh, can support it is great. Uh, but if you have the CDN option, that also gives you the superpower of having a image fallback. So if you have someone that is on an older browser that does not support WebP images, um, if you only had a WebP image available and they don't have WebP compatibility, they just see a broken image or they see what looks like a missing image. And so the CDN options will also will often come with a, a fallback and just serve you know, the JPEG or the PNG image if the WebP format is not supported. Um, do you have a do you have a plugin recommendation or one or a couple of that you like for just better image management? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a really big fan of U Image Optimizer, E W W W Image Optimizer. Okay. Uh, the name is funky. And I told um, I told the creator of the plugin, uh, you know, I would have checked out this plugin sooner had the name not been you because I've you know, read that. And I'm <laughs> That's like, kind of a bad name. Why would, why would I check that out? Uh, but it stands for everything WWW, which is the name okay. of the company. So okay. uh, Shane Bishop, uh, shout out. He wanted to name it a funny thing. So um, that's where the name came from. Uh, but you image optimizer, the free version is amazing. Ton of features, but the, the premium uh, paid version is um, incredibly valuable too. Uh, that's where you get your CDN option. Um, so that's my go-to and it does offer you different levels of compression. So if you, you know, want to totally, you know, obliterate your images, like I might do on the Holy Grail <laughs> site, I'm not so much like, oh, I need picture perfect, you know, pixel perfect images. So just ah, compress them, make them really, really small. You know, you can smash them if you want to, or if you need like, hey, I've got a photographer's website and they need everything literally pixel perfect. So let's use lossless compression. You can select levels of compression uh, that'll fit your needs. Um, and so, yeah, I would uh, start with start with you free. Can that one day. fix? Can that one fix past mistakes? Like, let's say you're not starting a new site, but you have a site and it has tons of old stuff on old images that were too big or whatever. Can it work retroactively? So the paid version does offer uh, a compression API key. So if you were to hook up your uh, site to the API, you can compress the images that are already on your server. Um, but that is a paid feature. Uh, I know there's some free plugins that will let you do that um, automatically uh, for free, potentially. Um, but yeah, you can compress images already on your server, but then those that are uploaded after the fact um, can be um, set to follow those same compression settings, your max image dimensions, that kind of thing for everything uploaded after that. Um, and, the, and the great thing too about the CDN, last thing I guess I'll say on the images, um, is whenever you're serving your images from a CDN, you could have all of these different settings applied um, at the CDN level and leave your original images untouched. So um, if you're playing with different levels of compression, um, if you were only dealing with your own server, let's say you didn't take a backup, you compressed all of your images and it was just way too much compression. Uh, if you don't have a backup to fall back to, then you may just be stuck with images that are too compressed. You have to delete them and re-upload higher quality. 
Uh, but if you're using the CDN option, CDN could say, all right, we're going to serve the, you know, really compressed version. Oh, that's too much. Okay. Tone it down. All right. Now we'll serve, you know, the pixel perfect version. So um, the CDN is just copying images on your site and then serving their own copy of it uh, based on your parameters that you set up. So yeah, EU is great. Short pixel is another big favorite. I know a lot of um, photographers in particular use them. They do operate on a credit-based system though, that I'm, I'm not as much a fan of that, you know, buy X number of credits. And then every time you either are using, um, if you're compressing images, then that costs some of your credits. If you convert your JPEG PNG, uh, when, when able to, if you have a PNG that doesn't require a transparent background, maybe like a logo file, if that can be converted, you know, into a JPEG or into a WebP, uh, you get charged credits for that conversion. Um, and then I think for the CDN utilization, you might be charged credits there as well. But um, when on EU, you get a set amount of bandwidth uh, utilization per month. And then you just, you know, you're not necessarily being pinged credit by credit. Um, but also to be fair, I have to mention, I got the AppSumo LTD maxed out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> plan. So I've got unlimited bandwidth for life on infinite number of sites. So I am spoiled in that regard, uh, but it's still incredible value for the money. If you do get the paid version of you. What else besides hosting and images, what, where else can we focus our speed work? Hosting images, fonts are a really big culprit. We're going to talk themes next. I should have said themes first, but fonts, it's really common that, uh, especially with the page builder. So this may tie into themes as well, but uh, let's say you have a, a page builder using something like Divi, Elementor, um, or any of the you know others. Uh, you may also have several third-party um, plugins that integrate with your page builder. And oftentimes you'll, if you look in the waterfall for your website, so if you were to run a GT metrics test, or if you were to go in the network tab on your dev tools, uh, Chrome dev tools and run a waterfall test, that's where you see the, the order in which everything is loaded on your site. And you may see a ton of font files and you might think, well, gosh, I'm only using, you know, one or two fonts on the site, which is, you know, that's great practice. One, two, maybe three uh, fonts is, is a great place to kind of cap things for performance, but you may have the theme calling on, uh, one set of fonts, and then you may have a separate request for the same font file by one third-party plugin that is integrating with your theme. And you may have another third-party plugin also asking for that same font, same font weight, same, you know, italics or bold, whatever version. And so you could end up with uh, a ton of unnecessary font files or like duplicate uh, requests. And so um, making sure that we're not using uh, more fonts than needed is a really big help. Um, and if you, if you want to see how your theme is actually handling fonts, run a, if you go to GT metrics and run a test and just filter the results in the waterfall by font, um, you might see, uh, Hey, I've got, you know, this font, whatever name the month, Mont or how you pronounce it. And let's say you've got font weights, 100, 200, 300, 400, all the way to 900. But you know, for a fact, you're only using font weights, 300 and 500 on that page. So your theme might be in queuing the entire, um, you know, fonts, uh, font file set rather than the ones that you're using. So when possible, um, it's a great idea to self-host your font files if you can. Um, and I'll be, I can give you a, a resource, a link to uh, send to everybody that might want to look for a great way to do that uh, without necessarily requiring a premium plugin. Or if you use a theme like uh, Cadence, which I'm using on the course site. Um, that'll let you locally host your fonts for free. Um, well, I say for free, it might be a premium feature actually of the, of the pro version of the thing. 
Um, but some other themes do that uh, as well, just let you host those locally, but it eliminates uh, additional third party requests. So rather than just asking your website uh, to say, hey, Google, can we have this font file? You can just ask your website instead, hey, let's load up the font files we already have um, so that you know for a fact you're not requiring an entire, uh, you're not requesting an entire bundle of font files. It's just the ones you're using. Was there more? Themes? On... Yeah, let's do themes. <laughs> okay, themes. Yeah, and there's a, there's a video in the paid version of the course where I actually uh, run a waterfall test on a blank WordPress install comparing uh, Divi, uh, Page Builder, and mind you, prior to their 4.10 update, which uh, was one of their big performance updates where they um, enabled things like their dynamic CSS, dynamic JavaScript, and all this. Uh, but I compared the most current version of Divi at the time against uh, Generate Press, which is an extraordinarily lightweight theme, as well as Cadence, which is, again, a really lightweight theme. And just looking at the base number of requests that out of the box come with a blank WordPress install and just the theme installed, uh, there were quite a bit more uh, requests that were made for Divi when compared to uh, Cadence Generate Press. Generate Press had the fewest, Cadence was maybe one or two, you know, maybe one, two, three requests more. Um, and when I'm saying requests, it, that does mean for those not familiar, uh, when looking in the waterfall, your individual files for you know, every part of your website, you load up a page, everything associated with that page um, represents a request. So that CSS file for your theme and uh, your HTML document, you know, just for the page itself, uh, the in, each individual image that is loaded, um, you know, above the fold um, and that kind of thing, each little line item is a request. And the more requests a page is making, then that's just more stuff that um, has to be kind of dealt with before the page can render. And so if you've got, you know, a ton of requests, and when I say a ton, I mean, for some that might be north of 40, north of 50. I mean, some, you might test your website and find, oh gosh, I've got north of 100 requests, probably could be trimmed down. But if you have no idea how many requests are being made per page of your site, and this is not just test it once on your homepage, and that's what it is on every page of your site, by page, you can see uh, where do things need to be maybe cleaned up? Because there's a really good chance that we're uh, making a lot of requests unknowingly uh, for things that either aren't needed at all, or maybe they're duplicate uh, requests, uh, or, hey, there's a plugin installed here that's making requests that I'm not even using that plugin on this page. And yet it's, you know, making seven requests. I need to get that out of there. So um, yeah, the, the theme that you use, if you use a page builder, it's going to, just because of all the functionality that, it, that comes with a page builder, more often than not, they're going to have more requests um, out of the box versus uh, a theme that is more of your uh, more modern, like block-based themes, uh, like your Cadence or Generate Press um, kind of thing. Um, but the the more stuff your site is doing, the more requests you're going to have. The more you know animations and uh, special effects that you turn on, that's going to result in more requests because that's going to represent either additional uh, CSS files, JavaScript files. Um, just other things are, have to be turned on and that more requests is going to make you a little bit, a little bit slower. If you can afford that in your performance budget, then that may be totally acceptable. But if it's not worth it to you, then you might, you know, say, Hey, that trade-off is not worth the performance hit. So I'm going to, you know, not enable some of those things. And again, to be fair to Divi, uh, and any of the other page builders that have these performance optimizations now, they have largely, um, tried to combine their, you know, what used to be a, you know, 800 uh, kilobyte CSS file into a far smaller file if you enable some of their performance settings so that um, they're trying to only load the CSS that is 
um, detected for the modules that are on the page and that kind of thing. And if you're just using the theme uh, or the theme and a child theme, say for Divi, um, you may be fine, but a lot of the third-party integrations, third-party plugins that integrate with your, um, with your theme are not yet fully compatible with those because where the theme might detect, hey, this thing is not being, you know, this is not required for the page to render. So we're not going to load that asset when the third-party uh, plugin might actually be expecting that thing to be there. And so you can end up with some difficulty when trying to use the performance settings uh, for some of your page builders when you've got those other third-party integrations you're trying to work with. So while teasing out that compatibility stuff, um, you can definitely say a page builder is generally going to be a bit slower than a uh, more lightweight theme. That's awesome. Before we go to your course creator journey, I, I know a lot of people like focus on caching plugins for speed. And, you know, there's also caching that happens at the server level and stuff. And a lot of people don't really understand caching, myself including. What, what is your recommendation around caching plugins or, or, base, or hosting choice? Or like what frame in that, that challenge when people fall into that world of I need a good caching plugin? Sure. Um, well, so first thing is that you don't have to have a layer of caching at the plugin level. Ideally, you have it at the server level. You could then add an additional layer at the you know, plugin level, at the site level. Um, but whenever you start adding multiple layers of caching, uh, let's say, uh, and it's just best practice, if while developing, while making changes on a site, um, you would ideally have caching disabled so that as soon as you make a change while you're editing, you go to look on the front end of the site to see those changes reflected. If you're not seeing anything happening, could be that you've got a caching layer um, that is blocking th things. And if you've got four layers of cache, but you forgot to turn off one of the th one of the four while testing, then you just might think, oh gosh, what's happening? And you're writing into support for different plugins and your, you know, your host and everything. What's wrong with your service? Not realizing that you left a layer of caching on. So uh, ideally, uh, I like to just keep the one layer of caching server level. Um, in some cases also uh, might be using Cloudflare's um, edge caching. They're one of the free lessons in the mini course is on uh, how to enable um, a page rule at Cloudflare to enable uh, caching on their edge network, the 200 plus different um, server locations they have around the world that you're, you're pages could be cached on those servers so that your site loads really quickly for um, anybody, just about any place in the world, because it's going to be served up uh, from the data center closest to where that visitor is making the request from. So have caching somewhere. Um, and caching is wonderful for your, for your static pages, but where caching no longer will help you is if you start dealing with something like um, an e-commerce, if you're using you know, WooCommerce, or if you're using a membership site, um, and LMS, once you start getting into some of these dynamic pages where you've either got a logged in user, if you've got a logged in user, you're bypassing cache. You're now directly, you know, having to rebuild pages uh, with every visit. Uh, quick side note for those that don't know. So WordPress um, is um, it's based on uh, PHP. And with this uh, coding language, the, the first visit of any page, if it's not cached, you effectively have this process happening uh, at the server level where, okay, the header is pulled in, boom, we make a header. Okay, the first section is pulled in, boom. So the page is assembled, right? As uh, you go, there's not like, it's not as if this page already exists in my website. No, it is actually being, being built. You don't, I guess, see it that way, but uh, the page kind of has to be put together with every 
uh, visit to a page that is not cached. Now, if you have a cached page, so here's, I guess, the kind of explanation on caching. Um, that's where you take the HTML structure of the page and basically take a snapshot of that, say, okay, boom, we know what the structure of the page is so that when a request comes in for this identical page later, we already have the scaffolding. So throw up the scaffolding and then your styling, your CSS, your JavaScript, all that stuff can come in and just go on top of it. Um, you're not having to start from scratch, making that initial render of each section of the page, building out the entire thing. So that's why it's important to have caching. Um, and if you've got nothing but static pages on your website, you know, there's content is not changing from, um, you know, one visit to the next, then you could have every uh, page on your website cached and your performance is wonderful. You're never really tapping uh, intensive server uh, resources and everything. Um, and your pages are going to load more quickly. But when you've got uh, more dynamic content that is changing, or again, you've got login users, you've got e-commerce shoppers that are adding things to the cart or trying to go through the checkout process. Those things are going to be specific to each visitor. And so those things just cannot be cached. Um, there's micro caching. There's, there's some ways you might cache some things like, hey, let's cache the, the header and the footer on this e-commerce page, even though it's a logged in person or even though they're shopping right now. Um, maybe this stuff hasn't changed, but I mean, hey, if you've, got a, if you've got a little cart icon that needs to update the number of products that someone's added to their cart, then you can't cache that because that's going to vary uh, between you know, visits and different actions that people take. So all that to say, long way around, if you want to go caching and you don't uh, want to spend any money on anything just yet, if you've got a host like SiteGround, they're you know, just native inbuilt uh, SiteGround uh, SG optimizer plugin. Um, is a fine one to go with because um, this is effectively going to communicate back to the server level saying like, hey, enable this caching at the server level. You're in it, you're, you know, playing with it at the, you know, site level on the plugin, but it's really just saying, hey, turn on the server caching. Hey, turn on the, um, I think they've got, oh, is it OP cache or is it, it's been a minute since I've looked at a site ground site. There's some other level of um, maybe object caching, mem cache, I think might actually be the level but you can turn on some of those things from the plugin. Um, premium plugins, by far the most popular uh, is WP Rocket, it's great. Uh, Flying Press, I think is one that a lot of people are sleeping on. Flying Press um, is both caching and asset optimization as is uh, WP Rocket. So you get your caching options, but you also get options for um, optimizing CSS, optimizing JavaScript. So whether that is um, CSS, uh, minification or trying to remove unused CSS or, um, you know, generate critical CSS above the fold. Both plugins can do some of those kinds of things um, and delaying JavaScript. Uh, any functionality that is not required to render the page uh, could actually be delayed until after uh, the page is, you know, all the stylistic things have kind of loaded in. You can then have uh, functionality uh, kick in that isn't needed until later. So if you've got a uh, a chat widget on your site. That's not required for your header and your big hero section above the fold to render. So you can say, hey, delay the JavaScript for that chat widget so that the page loads. And then as soon as the user starts to interact with the page, whether it's they click something, they start to scroll desktop or mobile, then the chat widget JavaScript can be executed. So the widget might appear a little bit later, but it doesn't break anything about your design or functionality. It just doesn't come in until it's needed. And uh, that's just a easy example of a place that you can make some really big gains. Uh, if you've got like the Facebook chat widget, um, you know, on your site, uh, that's classic example of something that could have the JavaScript delayed and make some big performance improvements 
Um, and if you need a free plugin to do that, Flying Scripts is the best free option, in my opinion, to make that happen. Wow, that is awesome. As you can tell, John knows his speed stuff, but you're also a great teacher, which makes you what I call an education entrepreneur. You, you have this subject matter expertise, well, but a great communicator about it as well. Um, tell us about your course creator journey and, and, and particularly before we actually get into that, your WordPress story, I find interesting because um, you do a lot of in the what I call the analog world. So how did a, somebody who works in um, health and fitness get develop this WordPress expertise and clearly passion as well? Before we get into the courses, how did that, what's that WordPress story? Sure. Yeah. So um, I went to school for exercise science. That's what I got my master's in. I was a graduate assistant while doing that. So I had some student teaching under my belt, which I loved. I do love to teach. Um, my day gig, well, before we get there, uh, while in school, I was doing some coaching on the side for um, people that were either doing strength training or they wanted to do some kind of like weight loss, transformation, that kind of thing. Um, so I was helping people with training and nutrition. And I wanted to have a website where I could actually sell, you know, my services, maybe blog a bit to, you know, try to demonstrate some expertise and credibility uh, to gain clients. What year are so, we at here? What year in the story? Oh, maybe this was like 2012, 13 or so. Um, but I actually had a friend build a site for me. Uh, he was actually the webmaster for the school at the time. I was just like, Hey, we just build a site for me. We played guitar together, uh, at band in church. So, uh, I already knew him. And so I was like, Hey, can so he cut me a deal on setting up a site. He built it in a concrete five, which was a platform totally alien to me. Um, and came to find out later that, uh, while the site served me well, when I needed, when I was ready to make some more updates to it, it was going to require me to pay him more, which I was already a broke college student who was late on the first, you know, few installment payments that I made to him. And so I was just like, oh, I can't pay him anymore. I need to learn to do this myself. So I uh, just broke a lot of things in the process of trying to free up my domain so that I could use it elsewhere and um, decided I was going to learn WordPress from scratch and learn to build my own site. And so while in school, I did get a WordPress site up. I did get my um, kind of like coaching and fitness site going. And I played with all kinds of different um, services to integrate with that. I, I used lead pages for some of my uh, like lead gen opt-in stuff. Um, and just through kind of crashing and burning through several different things, um, I eventually uh, kind of got tired of it and shut it down. And for a few months was just like, all right, I'm just, I'm not going to do the fitness blog. I'm not going to do any of that stuff. I'm, I'm just done. Um, but then it, it kind of ate at me. It was, was just kind of like, oh man, that thing beat me. I let it, I let it get the best of me. I gave up on it. Let me get back to it. So I decided with renewed vigor to go back into like, okay, for real this time, I'm really going to learn how to do WordPress stuff. Um, and I think that was about the time I picked up with uh, Divi, got really familiar with that and started doing a little bit of client work. Um, and after about two years of that, I uh, started playing with some other themes as well. Um, so more recently, uh, Generate Press and Cadence have become a little more my bread and butter. I still do some Divi work, but uh, for performance reasons already discussed, um, I'm trying to work with more lightweight themes lately. And uh, that has just been a little bit more geared towards, uh, yeah, the Cadence and Generate Press stuff. So I do client work. I do, you know, agency uh, work and uh, some of the side hustle stuff right now. And again, this is side hustle right now. Uh, but um, I have a story brand guide friend in town who will... Um, usually land some clients for their copywriting and um, marketing messaging. 
uh, she'll build out a wireframe and just pass it to me and I get to build it, make it come alive and on, you know, host it, uh, get them on a care plan and manage it from there. And then just wait for the, maybe wait for the next one to come on. So it's a great working relationship, honestly. But, uh, so the day gig, this is, uh, you know, again, I went to school for all this health and wellness stuff. So I work in a corporate health and wellness environment at an insurance company. So I do a lot of, uh, health and wellness coaching. Um, there's education for our, our employee population. So we do, uh, we do webinars and we do, uh, in-person classes outside of, you know, COVID times. Um, and we've got some podcasting that we do internally. It's all private podcast stuff. So there's a lot of education to what we do along with some of the like personal training and group exercise. So, um, you know, I'm passionate about helping other people learn how to do something that I've done myself um, or something that I've learned. I'm, I'm usually not one just to sit on it and just like, all right, this is mine. I'm not telling anybody about it. I'm usually like, oh, well, you know, now that I know how to do this, you know, I feel like my life has improved in some kind of way and I want you to have that too. So how can I show you how to make it happen for you? Um, so that's where WordPress kind of fits in now is I see it as a, um, a platform I can use to, you know, whatever somebody else is passionate about, or, Hey, they've got this idea, this dream of, you know, business hobby, what, what have you, um, how can I get it out to the world? It's like, well, I can tell you exactly how to do it. I, <laughs> I, uh, crashed and burned and, you know, lit the dumpster fire and jumped in and <laughs> I've done all, I've, I've broken many more things, uh, than I care to, uh, go into in detail here. Uh, but through all that, um, maybe wasted time, effort, money, maybe I can spare somebody else a little bit of the trouble I've gone through along the way to make some of this stuff happen. So, um, yeah, that's where I'm at with WordPress. That's, that's awesome. And yeah, like in WordPress and, and just this online thing and, uh, side hustles and whatnot, I find the more you give, the more you get. So as generous as you can be, um, it, it tends to work out well. What's the course creator story like where did this this idea to create courses around speed and i know you have some other ones planned as well uh where did this start yeah okay so um it was like june 2020 so pandemic is still you know we're in that phase where everybody's still binge watching tiger king and you know things are good the world's shut down and we've got tiger king uh so i had been working on some site speed issues um myself trying to um just get things loading a bit quicker and i eventually stumbled across what I felt like was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Like, let me rerun these tests again and you know, check my site's performance worldwide. And I was like, man, I don't know if I can believe what I'm seeing. This site is loading, you know, under one second everywhere in the world. What's the deal? Like, is this, is this real? And so I kind of took to a blog post and just tried to say like, you know, Hey guys, I think I found the Holy Grail. Like it literally feels like I've stumbled through the woods and come upon this glowing chalice. And now I'm like, you guys, you gotta see this, gotta check it out. And so I originally thought of just making it a really small, like only free course, but I'm very long-winded as you can probably already tell. Um, I like to go into detail where I can. And so I uh, took it upon myself to actually make it a course, uh, but didn't get around to actually doing that until I took another course. So I am a course connoisseur. Um, I took one of Elizabeth Goddard's courses, shout out Lizzie, uh, called The Fast Guide to Launching. And she's got this really simple framework for helping you come up with an idea for anything, whether it's a service, a product, uh, a course, but come up with your idea and get it to market really quickly. And so I just decided after going through that course, okay, I'm going to give myself one month. And that's probably longer than she would even recommend sitting on the idea, working on it uh, to be a true fast launch. But after uh, just tweaking things for about a month or so, 
and just said like, all right, I'm just going to push go. I'm going to put this out there. Um, it may not be, uh, it may not contain everything I want it to ever have, but it's got enough to be that MVP, you know, minimum viable product um, kind of course that if somebody takes it, it will serve, you know, the purposes that I'm after here. So um, taking Lizzie's course is what um, kind of put the fire into my tail to say like, you know what, I think I could do this. Let me just get out of my own way, get out of my own, get out of my head and uh, maybe stop worrying about some of the things I was concerned about, like the, oh, why me? Why should I do this? You know, who would take my advice on this or that thing? And um, just kind of came to the realization through doing the course and also some on a personal reflection, you know, that, you know, it's not the, the people that are doing well with courses out there are not the ones who, you know, are sitting back and saying like, well, I've got this idea. I just don't know if it's good enough yet. Like, you know, it's those that have said, you know, I'm going to put something out there. And then once you put something out there, you can get feedback from um, students and iterate and make things better. It doesn't have to be perfect from the start. So I just uh, committed to getting out of my own way and just putting something out there. Um, and yeah, awesome. there was a lot of, there was a lot of, just that self doubt and imposter syndrome to try to work on overcoming in the process. So um, common, but so common. Yeah. 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 And, and good for you for, you know, just moving on. it sounds like, um, can you give her a shout out again? The, the core, what the course you're taking? Yeah. Elizabeth Goddard, AKA Lizzie. Uh, <laughs> the course is called the fast guide to launching. Um, she's got a, a lot of other wonderful courses that all kind of overlap and intersect and they're all about online business stuff. Um, so all her stuff's worth checking out, but I think that course uh, kind of really pushed me over the edge to help me go ahead and make the move. Very cool. And quick question. Can you go a little long or do you have a hard stop at the hour? Man, I got time. Let's go. Okay, cool. Cause I have a bunch of questions and I could do the fast version or the, so we'll, we'll get it. Um, yeah. Well, tell us about the, so the selection of Lifter LMS. Why did you choose that? To, once you decide you're going to make a course, why did you choose Lifter LMS for your learning management system? Yeah, so when I was first looking at course stuff, of course, there are um, SaaS platforms out there you could use. There are multiple different WordPress-based, uh, you know, plugin-based uh, solutions. And I think I, I'm trying to remember... So I, I'm not actively a member right now in Melissa Love's Marketing Fix membership, but I was for um, like two plus years or so. Um, I just got to a point where I uh, just needed to um, be out for a little bit. But um, I learned a lot through her course and I know that she used Lifter and I was just like, hey, you know, she's, you know, this course looks really great and it seems like she's been able to customize it to do what she wants it to do. And so I was like, okay, tuck that in my back pocket. Um, when it came to talking to automations and uh, any kind of involvement with CRMs, uh, kind of learned through again, uh, Melissa's marketing fix, uh, KPC, you know, the yeah. queen of active campaign, uh, <laughs> was all about, you know, how active campaign, you know, can so beautifully integrate, uh, through things like WP fusion, uh, to work with lifter LMS and, you know, tagging and this and that. So I thought like, okay, that's another arrow pointing towards lifter. And, um, like I mentioned at the, at the top of the talk, I mean, I've followed you for a while, Chris, and, um, just knowing, uh, or feeling like I had the impression of, like your heart behind the product and uh, how much just the realm of uh, online education uh, means to you. I just thought, you know, this is a product I can get behind, you know, if, you know, one of the co-founders is, you know, this passionate about it, because when you invest in a product, I mean, you are also kind of investing in the people uh, behind it. And, uh, you know, if I felt like, you know, you were a total jerk and you didn't actually care about what you're doing, I would probably not really be so interested in Lifter, uh, but it just, was something that helped me pay a little bit more attention to what Lifter 
did. And so I took it for a trial spin and um, just thought, hey, I think this will work. This is going to be the thing. So I didn't I didn't even try any other WordPress based options just because I found everything out of the box, you know, integrating pretty well with what I needed it to do. So um, WP Fusion is helping me to uh, integrate with everything with the CRM side of things. And I was initially using Active Campaign. I still use Active Campaign on um, client sites for a lot of things, but um, I'm running WP Fusion. Uh, sorry, I'm using uh, Fluent CRM right now. Um, and WP Fusion um, has some functionality that might overlap with some elements of Fluent Serium, um, but the tagging and uh, making certain lessons, you know, visible or not visible to students based on tags that are present or not. Um, and using, so Cadence is the theme the site's built on. And so um, being able to use like the block visibility plugin um, and use those uh, WP Fusion tags that are ultimately tied to the Lifter LMS lessons and the students and hey, if they've got the paid course, they can see this, but if they have just the free, they only see the free content. Um, just all the pieces work, all the pieces worked and uh, just really no, no gripes about it. So um, it was just kind of a no brainer, like, all right, I'm in this deep with, with Lifter and I'm not missing anything as far as I can tell. So I'm, I'm sticking with this. Nice. Um, what else is in your tech stack your, for your course platform because people often ask and it's really educational for people to learn you've mentioned lifter lms um i think you're using woocommerce to sell lifter has is that right mm -hmm. and then lifter lms and, has a woocommerce integration um yeah that's right and you got uh it's this site is built on cadence you're using wp fusion you have a community aspect that's on circle.so or is that what that's it right. is yeah mm -hmm. yeah what, what else what else is in the and you're hosting on Gridpane. What else kind mm -hmm. of makes your magic happen? Uh, let's see what else. So again, there, there could be some overlap here with Fluent Serum because some of the functionality that's um, available now in the plugin was not there initially when I built the site, but I am using Uncanny Automator for the functionality. Uh, for instance, if someone were to uh, look at the, uh, the course page on my site, like if you were to go to, I'm just looking at it myself really quickly. So I go in the right order. But if you were to go to site speed, uh, site speed course in the main header navigation, that pulls you to the course page where the syllabus is below and everything, but there's a form you can fill out. And um, I mentioned toward the top of the talk that as soon as you plug in your name and email um, and you, you know, click enter, you are automatically uh, registered as a user for the course. You're tagged uh, accordingly uh, through uh, Fluent Serum and uh, WP Fusion uh, helping make some of that happen so that you are uh, a student of the course also. So you're also enrolled as a student um, and you're automatically logged in and you're looking at your dashboard um, to where you can click on the course, brings you back to this you know, course main page. And now the syllabus, uh, the free lessons in the syllabus are unlocked. And uh, that uncanny automator function um, is just really slick. And I think you might can do it with just Fluent Serum now. Um, but that ability to, hey, as soon as this, I'm using Fluent Forms for any forms on my site, um, but there's effectively a, a recipe in Uncanny Automator that says, hey, when this form is submitted with that user, create, uh, or sorry, with that submission, create a, uh, a user, make them a Lifter LMS student, enroll them in this course, and go ahead and send them an email with their credentials and everything. Uh, and so that's all really neat because if someone is auto logged in when they complete the form, right? They don't have to create their username and password at that time. And so they can automatically 
log in, start taking lessons, but they've got that email when they do go and check their email inbox. Um, that email has come right away with that, like, hey, you were a message that says, hey, you were, you know, created, um, you had an account created as soon as you, you know, registered for the course, but you don't have a password yet. Set your password following this link. And it's just the, you know, default WordPress, like password reset email. Um, but that's just such a seamless um, experience for onboarding into a free, um, what is effectively, you know, this lead magnet, the free mini course. Um, so seamless to just get somebody right into it rather than say, uh, hey, you signed up for the course, go check your email inbox. All right, go to your inbox. Okay, click that link. All right, now create a password and a username for the course. Okay, now log in, now go to your course. You know, it eliminates a lot of that friction. Um, and I think it's just a really, um, really slick way to go about getting somebody into the course quickly. So uh, yeah, shout out Uncanny Automator. It's really good. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the free course lead magnet strategy, you know, whether, and you're doing it like, more like a pure opt-in experience, which is awesome. That's, that's a, that's a really good. And it, you know, it's just, it naturally makes sense. If you, um, sell paid courses, give them a free experience and it's a great way to build trust and build an email list and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, uh, just back to lifter, what's, what's your, what are some highlights of, you know, favorite feature or benefit, um, of the software itself? Um, I do like how it's, it's really open-ended. Uh, you can, you know, customize any of your lesson uh, pages to be whatever you want them to be. You know, you can e either choose to use uh, some of those native lifter uh, modules or blocks uh, or not. Um, in my case, I think I, uh, outside of like the mark a lesson complete and then, you know, previous and, you know, next lesson buttons, I think everything else is just either using, uh, I use like a mixture of cadence blocks and generate blocks on the, on the course. Um, I just kind of had a, a template that I used, uh, for every page that was just like, Hey, I can make my lessons look however I want to. And, uh, just the fact that you're not boxed into having to use any particular elements, um, that's really attractive to me. And like, so for instance, I use like lifter, you can just, uh, type in your, uh, either if you had like private YouTube videos that you're using as your video source for your courses, or if you've got Vimeo. Uh, videos for your course, you can either plug those URLs uh, right into the, like the lesson uh, builder, uh, or you can just embed uh, your own video player, which is what I did. I'm, so this is another, I guess, tech stack layer, but I'm using Presto player, uh, video player for all my lessons. And uh, so I've just got a Presto player uh, video at the top of each of the uh, lessons. And so I liked, I liked the ability that I could, you know, select the video player that I wanted, um, because then that gives the ability with Presto player to, and I've not done this yet, but to, if I want to go in and put timestamps for, you know, here's where the different, you know, topics are covered in the, in the lesson or um, that kind of thing. Uh, and I just think it looks good. You can customize the color of your play button and everything that might be really uh, a small detail, but it, it mattered enough to me to uh, put it in. So, yeah, I like, I like how open-ended lifter is, um, is you can, you can basically make it do what you want it to do. So I like that open-endedness. That's awesome. And we, uh, we recently interviewed Adam from about Presto player. So you'll mm -hmm. see that, uh, you can find that on the podcast as well. Um, let's do that, uh, opportunity for people that are listening. Everybody, not only is your site, can people learn for free about site speed and they can go deep with your paid course with the coupon code lifter. That's it. Um, holy grail, 
you also just have a great example of a clean, visually appealing, easy to understand, great sales pages, your opt-in experience. It's just a great model of having a, an LMS site without overcomplicating it. Is, is one of the, when I saw your site, it has like an elegance, a simplicity. Um, I know you said you were using a, a cadence starter site mm-hmm. to, to kind of to start with. It's yes, just the cadence clean. e-commerce starter theme. So <laughs> if any yeah. of that looks familiar, if you go look at the starter site, it's, it's that, it's that layout. That's awesome. And to, just to kind of land the plane, um, you know, I, I interview a lot of course creators. I see a lot of course creators. I'm, I've been in the market for a decade. I kind of see patterns. One of the patterns that I see of, of projects that make it are kind of that the course creator has to get over themselves and the imposter syndrome and like get it out there, start, you know, interact, live contact with the market. Any other just kind of advice around that? And it, it sounds like um, Lizzie, I believe, gave you some good inspiration and motivation to do it that way. But how, how do you get people that have kind of um, maybe if if they hadn't been exposed to like that fast launch method thing you were talking about, how get inspire them to like move forward or or, or uh, what worked what worked for you in terms of mindset or ideas that really unlock that progress for you yeah and this is huge and um i'm very upfront about this fact but so like mental emotional health is something that is super important to me um, and i do have a history of major depression in my life i will just sometimes for reasons i don't even understand just like for whatever reason i'm down and i feel like you know i'm totally worthless and nobody should you know pay attention to me at all but then other times I'm like, hey, I have this course and you should check it out. And it's awesome. It'll make your website and your business better. And, you know, so I know what it's like to ebb between uh, both maybe feeling like, yeah, people should pay attention to what I have and they should check this out because it's great and it'll help them. But then also having that, uh, why should anybody listen to me? I'm a nobody, you know, I'm just old so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. And just, you know, poo-pooing on the entire idea of putting anything out there. So I know what that's like, and I know that it's extremely difficult. So by no means uh, do I think it's as simple as just like, ah, just do it. You'll be fine. You'll be so glad you did, you know, in a perfect world. Um, But especially if you're someone that may, like me, uh, struggle with some of the, some of that imposter syndrome or uh, just even that just insecurity of like, gosh, who am I to be teaching on this topic? Like, I'm just, you know, me, like there's nothing... And, and the, the thing is, you are probably farther along than someone else in the world at the thing that you're doing. And that means you can help them. You do not have to be the best at whatever it is that you're doing. You don't have to have the greatest, most awesome uh, course or product, uh, ebook, whatever. Uh, it doesn't have to be better than anybody else's uh, because just the, the information that you've um, come to uh, come to hold in your mind and your individual just style, your personality, like you're going to connect with some people that other people never could, no matter how amazingly awesome their course might be uh, and how great their marketing tactics are, but you will connect on a personal level and just resonate with some people just because of who you are. And the fact that you're just a little bit ahead of them um, and maybe seem approachable and like you're just a real person is going to make people want to interact with you and ultimately do business with you. Um, and so you can trust that if you 
uh, can take that brave step of just saying like, all right, I'm going to go out on a limb and be willing to help some people that, you know, I may be a little farther along uh, than in the journey. Um, the, the people will show up. You just don't have to pretend to be anybody that you're not. Um, I'm a big, you'll see throughout any of my stuff. I'm like, my whole course stuff is like, there's silly bits thrown in with um, whether self-deprecating humor references to Monty Python's, uh, you know, search for the Holy Grail movie, uh, gifts, that kind of thing, emojis, whatever. Like, I, I mean, I'm goofy. I don't take my myself too seriously. And I try to just make that very evident, even in the writing um, and just stuff that I might share in emails. Um, just try to be approachable and not have to put on any kind of show, because if you can do whatever you're doing from a place that just feels like, you know, I'm not really having to fit myself into some mold to do this. Like I'm just being myself and trying to help people with the thing that I've come to be, you know, decent at again, not better than someone else. I'm, I'm not making this course because I am better than some, somebody else, but just like, Hey, I know how to do some of this stuff. So why not me? You know, somebody else could come along and, you know, grab some of this market share. Why not let it be me? So uh, don't know what that does for anybody, but uh, that's, I think that's what I would have to offer. That's awesome. That's some, some wise words there. And uh, it, recently we, we interviewed KPC about her accelerated active campaign or active campaign Academy that she built on top of Lyft LMS. And towards the end of that interview, she said something similar where um, she said, yeah, she's building a business and stuff, but it allowed her to be authentically herself and, and like kind of when that really landed for her, it, it really, um, it, it just really was a big part of the whole thing and, you know, just being herself yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah. completely, she said like uh, completely authentically me or something like that. So, yeah. And you, and this is, I guess, maybe the last thing I'll say is, um, like, sure, you might be leading a, you know, offering a course, you know, as a, um, as a practitioner, as a, as an expert, whatever you would want to call yourself. Um, but that does not mean that you're claiming yourself to be like the end all be all final say, uh, on Guru. this topic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, people ask me questions all the time about, uh, website performance and I'll just be like, dude, I have no idea. I've either <laughs> never thought of that or like, you know, I've been stuck on that for a while myself. I have no clue uh, what the answer to this would be. I'm not even going to try to guess at something, but I am resourceful and I know smarter people than me. And so I'm going to go ask them. And when I've got, you know, something from them, I'm going to come back to you uh, because yeah, there's, there's going to be stuff you do not know. And that is fine. Uh, I don't think anybody wants to uh, learn from someone who believes themselves to be, you know, like I am the source and only what I say goes like, you're going to be putting on a show at some point there because you're just, you can't claim to be like, you know, I've, I've seen it all. I know it all. Um, it's just not the deal. So just be real. You don't have to pretend like, you know, it all. And I think people appreciate it when you can just honestly say, Hey, I don't know. Yeah, that's, I love that. That is, that's very liberating to give mm -hmm. yourself permission to not have all the answers but still be an incredibly valuable resource for people. Um, final question, and then we'll end it. If somebody's watching this video at the bottom of a page about your course story, and they're an expert, kind of like you in the sense that you kind of come from a 
the brick brick world, not the bits in the terms of uh, working in IRL in real life or with people mm-hmm. and uh, in buildings and stuff. And uh, that, but they have this side thing that they're passionate about that they've been developing this knowledge around and they, they want to launch the course and, and they're, they've taken some words of wisdom from this conversation around just getting it out there fast and start iterating. Uh, but they're kind of hung up on the technology question because, because I, in, in at Lifter, we get a lot of, we see a lot of people that are just kind of overwhelmed from all the options of like hosted platforms and WordPress. And all, there's just like this overwhelm when people are trying to choose. So could you speak to the two layers of, for you, why WordPress and why Lifter LMS works for you for a technology stack so that you can move on, start making videos and make course content. But why, why that tech stack? Yeah, so for both, uh, you know, why WordPress, why Lifter, uh, the element of control and just flexibility to uh, be able to get in and tweak things that I want to be able to tweak. Um, I know there are plenty of SaaS platforms you could hop on board with that might take um, a lot less work to get started, honestly, but uh, you may be boxed into some uh, like user flow steps that, you know, you would rather not deal with, but it's just kind of like, eh, that's how it works. So that's what, you, what you're dealing with. Um, and again, I, I like to think about the user experience of, you know, a flow through a website, just like the flow through a course. And so um, I just try to think of, um, you know, do I want to, like, what's more important to me right now? Like, do I want to uh, just get something to market really quickly and not be so concerned with what's required to get there in terms of tech stack? Or do I want to um, like think think about this? You know, you know, be uh, judicious about you know the pieces of tech that I choose and make sure they work together and uh, understand how it's all working so that when I do put it out, um, it is not only like I've gotten it to market quick enough, and I also do have the ability to control everything that I want to control because um, I I wouldn't want to build a course on some platform then be unhappy with it and then feel like, nah, I think my gut was right. I should have gone with something that was going to be a little more flexible, open-ended. Now I've spent X money here that I'm not going to recoup. And now I've got to rebuild, start over. I just, I like the idea of maybe starting, uh, starting off where I think I'm going to be long-term. Um, kind of like, a, rather than thinking, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go and you know, rent this house. I'm going to live in this house for a little while because I know it's not my permanent home. Like, I don't know if I'm making a, uh, an asset for my business, I, I kind of want to say like, no, nah, let me go ahead and set up shop. Let me put down roots and, you know, make sure it's a system that I have control over. Um, so yeah, WordPress just gives you that option to, you know, have all the flexibility uh, that you want. If you're, um, if you've got the, the time and energy to put into figuring out how to make all those pieces come together. And I, I think I should do, uh, and you tell me, Chris, does this sound like a good idea? I think I should make a little course. Cause I've got other courses kind of in my mind that are coming up next. But I think even just having a uh, like a course builders course, like how does the tech stack come together, even just for the speed course, like uh, what are the different moving parts and just show behind the scenes, how does this and that work and what does the flow look like? Um, I mean, I'm using premium you know, software for a lot of this, so I could just show here's how I've made it work for me. There may be other ways to do it for you know, free or with other premium products, but here's how mine works, you know, the total back end of everything. I think that's a brilliant idea there is a ton of demand for that kind of stuff um particularly you can see that demand if you go to youtube and see like tutorials and a creator will you know use the stack that they use 
Um, but yeah, um, let me know if you make that. I'd be glad to help get the word out. And uh, just like you mentioned in this show, there's a you use a lot of different tools. And um, so what we found, and we actually have a podcast episode about this too, but uh, the best courses about software are almost never made by the software company themselves, but especially in WordPress because it's often this creative assembly to solve a particular problem that um, just creators who are doing it like yourself and, and have, have like kind of navigated through this ecosystem of tools. That's really the, the brilliant part of it is you've been going since 2012 or whatever. So you've learned a lot and maybe somebody might do it slightly different than the way you teach it, but even the thinking you have into like, okay, we're going to remove friction on the free course opt-in flow. And like, that's, there's so much brilliance and wisdom in there that I think it's a great idea. So let me know if you, let me know if you make it. And I want to thank you, John, for coming on the show. That's John Phillips. He's at Holy Grail WP. Go check out his free course, the site speed course. And then he's got his, um, his big course, which is called Holy Grail WordPress Speed Course. Um, now Lifter LMS or, or course building is on the map for future courses. What else? And depending upon when you're watching this, you may have some of these things out. What other course? Course entrepreneurs are some of the most creative, also busy people I know. Uh, so I, I have to ask, like, what else is in your future for course courses that you've kind of tentatively planned out? Yeah, some of them are actually kind of teased on the homepage of the site there, uh, but there's a little coming soon for uh, like just an on-page SEO course, just basic, you know, on-page stuff, not necessarily all the outbound uh, outside of your website uh, SEO related things, um, but just, just general like site structure. How can I structure my site in such a way, you know, using a, you know, base and with the help of maybe a basic um, SEO plugin. How can I be sure that, you know, my site is set up for success here? Um, and honestly, I think it's, it's just really common that we might make style, uh, like stylistic choices with text on pages, uh, accidentally not realizing that like, oh, when I use the H1, just because I want the text to be big, yeah, I like that big, bold text that we might not actually need to be doing that from an SEO standpoint on that bit of text or, uh, you know, using, using heading tags to style things, to style text, just really isn't always a great idea. Uh, and so just kind of helping point out some easy wins. That'll be a, it'll be a much lower ticket um, kind of price, just basic WordPress uh, on page SEO. Um, content marketing is a concept that I'm you know, really into and have taken, you know, some separate courses for myself. And it's stuff that I more so help clients with, uh, you know, more so than myself, but at least uh, trying to outline the recommendations and maybe kind of the workflow for both creating content and then promoting that to uh, your audience through the various channels that you use um, and repurposing content, you know, in as many formats as possible uh, so that it can be, you know, reused, reshared, reposted um, and make an evergreen content that, you know, create it once and it's useful forever uh, kind of thing. Um, again, just another, that would be a lower ticket, uh, course, not as, not as extensive as, as the site speed course, um, that's on deck, but I do think I need to make, uh, an addition to that page and throw in the, uh, course builders, like tech stack course or something like that. Yeah. And maybe tie it into the, um, 
that idea of launching quickly because you're like oh, yeah. how to like, like the MVP tech stack because you did all that quickly mm-hmm. and uh, I think attacking that is cool and and you know I think you're gonna I'm gonna invite you back on this podcast because I think we could do a whole episode on content and SEO as well down the road but you got a lot of great stuff going on thank you for sharing your wisdom with the the WordPress professional and the aspiring course creator community. That's John Phillips at holygrailwp.com. Go check out his free course now. Any other ways for the people of the internet to connect with you? Oh, I'm going to leave it at that mostly. Uh, you can email me, John at holygrailwp, J-O-N. I don't have an H, you know, just to make things difficult for you. Uh, email me if you like. Uh, I'm on Facebook, but I don't really post things. I got two kids. I'm married. I got <laughs> stay busy. So I'm not just posting things all the time on, on the socials, but happy to email with you, get on a zoom or uh, talk shop, that kind of thing. Um, and actually, if you email me, I, uh, the footer link in my email uh, contains a little uh, link to my Calendly. So if you'd like to, you know, just get on a quick zoom to talk through any site speed stuff, happy to, to do that. Maybe troubleshoot a thing or two with you. Um, that's totally free. That's, that's just always in the footer of my emails. So, Hey, All right. Well, John, thanks for coming on the show and thank you for being a shining example of the education entrepreneur and and, uh, keep up the amazing work and momentum. And uh, we'll have to do this again sometime. Yeah. Glad to do it anytime. Thanks for having me, Chris. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. Did you enjoy that episode? Tell your friends and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And I've got a gift for you over at lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Go to lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Keep learning, keep taking action, and I'll see you in the next episode.